Well, hey, friends. Hey. Happy Easter. Hey, uh, where's my ladies at? There you go. Uh, seriously, the women's conference, it's one of my favorite things that we do here. We put on our own conference. And uh, I would say you don't want to miss it. Megan Fate Marshman is, I think, one of the best communicators I've heard. She's killer. She comes out here. And uh, if you can only make one of the days, a Friday or the Saturday, it's worth it. So you want to figure out how to do that, grab a couple people, come. Just getting a, a few hundred people in here, just ladies. It, I, I, I really think it's going to be transformational, and you won't be disappointed. So I just wanted to highlight that. Um, I'm not even a girl, and I think it's legit. <clears throat> like, it's like, you guys have too much fun. Like, this is awesome. So um, my name's Larry. I'm one of the pastors here. And I know I look like a quarter-dipped egg today. You're welcome. <clears throat> For those... For those of you who don't normally come here, I'm not in my uniform. I'm usually in all black, so this is awkward for everyone. So I'm just getting out of the way. You're welcome. And it's the last time. Okay. That's good. But maybe you're here today and um, you're not a Christian or you're not a follower of Jesus. Uh, and, or maybe you were at one time or another and you went to church when you grew up, but you'd say today, like, I'm not really a follower of Jesus, or I'm not really a Christian, you know, like, when I'm coming, it's Easter, I'll show up here. And, and if I was to let you come up here um, today, or if you came up front and you were going to share with us why, I think that if you told us why, like, most of us would sit there and say, I get that. Like, I can get with that. That makes sense. Because if we, if we had heard what you had heard, or if we had experienced what you had experienced, or been treated by Christians the way that you have been treated, or grew up in the family that you grew up in or grew up in the church that you grew up in. Whatever the reason, I think, if you came up here and shared with us why you weren't a follower of Jesus or a Christian, I really think we would be like, I totally can get with that. And I'm not going to judge you for that. But if you were to give me an opportunity, just one-on-one, -on -one, if you were going to invite me into a conversation Larry, and say, Larry, I'll give you like one shot. I'll give you one opportunity to talk to me about just just one-on-one, -on -one, you invited me into it. I'm not going to grab you, but we'll sit across from each other at a table. I'll give you one opportunity as to why you think I should consider Jesus, right? Just one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe even something similar to right now, why you would even consider Jesus. I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't defend the history of the church. I wouldn't defend the history of the church because there's just some really goofy things that have been associated. And there's some... There's some seasons or some embarrassing moments, not even really just moments, but seasons of the church. And so I wouldn't defend the history of the church. I wouldn't use that opportunity to defend um, a lot of the things that Christians have said, or the ways that they treated you, or some of the values that they have, or some of the way that some, how some have talked to you, or the way that some certain Christians treat some certain people. And I wouldn't try to convince you with just the Bible. I wouldn't try to just use the Bible. And the Bible, um, you know, the, as we know it today, as it's been put together with all these letters, didn't even come as we know it today until about 400 years after the resurrection of Jesus, right? So I wouldn't just use that. There was thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians before the Bible even existed. But where I would start, if we were sitting across from each other at a table, if you gave me this opportunity, where I would start is with the event, with the event that we are gathered for today, the resurrection of Jesus. 
But see, if we were sitting there, I, want you, I would want you to know that even his closest friends, even the people that are closest to him, expected Jesus to do exactly what everyone else expected, which was to stay dead. When dead people are dead, they stay dead. So in this narrative, we find ourselves in a situation where Jesus has been crucified, he's been laid in a tomb, and for uh, days he's been dead. And we pick up where some of his followers, a group of women, at just the dawn, the beginning of the day, uh, are headed to his tomb. It says this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary and a whole group of women bought some spices so that they might go and anoint or re-embalm Jesus' body. So let me just back up for a second. Things happen so fast in this situation. It was Thursday night. Many of his followers, including them, went to bed and all was well, right? Preparing for the Passover. Everything's all good. But late in that evening, Jesus was arrested through the night, then tried by the middle of the day. The next day, he was crucified and killed. They woke up and said, what is going on? And they're seeing this person that they believed was a teacher of God, that they were convinced was a miracle worker because they had seen him perform miracles and that they hoped was their Messiah be crucified and discovered that clearly we must be wrong. God wouldn't let his Messiah be arrested, let alone crucified and killed, laid to a tomb by a foreign power. They watched Jesus die on a cross, this brutal death, then watched two Sadducees, one named Nicodemus and another Joseph of Arimathea, take Jesus off the cross, go out the city to take Jesus to Joseph of Arimathea's family tomb, quickly wrap him up and body him as fast as they could, put him in the tomb and roll the tomb closed before the night fell. Because what was happening was it was the start of the Sabbath or the Shabbat. So you couldn't do anything else. They had to quickly get in there. Now you find these ladies who are on their way to Jesus' tomb and they bought spices because they couldn't even mourn the way they wanted to mourn. They could do nothing. No one could do anything. They literally were in shock as what had just happened. Then there was Sabbath. They couldn't, there was all these rules that you, that you can't do these certain things and specifically mourn what had just happened and this, it's all happened so quick. So they needed to do something. They like had to participate in some way. So it was to go and buy spices to go to the tomb and re-embalm Jesus' body to give him some sort of honor and dignity after they had followed this man for years. So the Sabbath is over. It's early in the first day. They're on their way there. And as they're on their way there to the tomb, they ask each other, who's going to roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large had been rolled away. And Luke says that then they went and they looked around in the tomb and they found that it was empty. Now this next part is so important. You've got to understand this. And if we're sitting across from each other at this table, these women did not assume a miracle had happened. They didn't go like, yes, we've been waiting for this. They're already in shock, in mourning, trying to figure out what just happened. They're showing up to take care of this, wondering how we're going to get the, the, the stone rolled away, taking a peek around, and they didn't assume that a miracle had happened. They would have assumed exactly what you and I would have assumed. Somebody stole the body. That his enemies came, not only got rid of him, killed him, then they went and they stole his body from this tomb. So they immediately run back to the city where his disciples are, 
His brave disciples, they find huddled together hiding. (laughs) Now, why are they huddled together hiding? It's because they just watched Pilate give these Jewish leaders permission, essentially, to crucify the person that they had followed. They believed with the Messiah, and they said, we're next. We're a part of that group. The whole house is coming down. And so they're hiding in fear. And so Mary and this group of women show up as they run back after they've seen this scene. And they yell to him, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Even more, we don't even know who they are. Like we're clueless. We don't know what's going on right now. And Luke tells us that that in that moment that the men in the room, their hearts broke even more. And the men in the room also were skeptical. When the women told him this, it says, but they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Dead people stay dead. When Jesus died, they all unfollowed him. They were done. They were hiding. Dead people stay dead. This sounds like nonsense. So I'd hit pause with you across the table for me. And I would say, well, could it be that you feel like this is nonsense too? Could it be that you actually believe in a historical Jesus? Right? There used to be a conversation a long time ago. There was a lot of debate that Jesus was Jesus real, and now it's really gone. It's been put to rest. Everyone kind of agrees, that kind of, they agree that there was a historical Jesus that lived in that time, in that area, that did specific things that we read in Scripture, right? And you can say, well, I could get with that. I could get with a historical Jesus. I could even get with that we should emulate, like, some of the things that he did. Just because it's good, uh, it's moral, it's just... It's serving, right? I can get that. But the whole idea, Larry, of a resurrection to me sounds like nonsense. Sounds like nonsense. And I would tell you there's some great news. You are in great company because his closest followers felt the same way. The body of their friend had just been stolen, and now they needed to figure it out. Like, what's going on? This is how we feel. We think that he's been sold, and i got to figure it out. So um, they couldn't just go as a big group because they'd be spotted, and people would see him. They'd be arrested, and then who knows what's going to happen to them. It's the same type of fate. But Peter and John ran ahead and says that Peter, however, went and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, not running through the streets, He's alive! He's alive! He's risen just like he said he would. No. He went away wondering what in the world is happening? What is going on? I find this so fascinating. I find that the recording of the Gospels is so interesting because they documented their own disbelief. They told us, this is the group of people that you would say like, well, why would you write this down? You'd want to be like the heroes, right? You're the one who has like hope on hope, right? He's been talking about it for the last three, three and a half years with you. You already knew it. You're like, no, this is what's going to happen. You're the one standing outside of the tomb going, 10, 9, 8, it's coming, right? <clears throat> He's risen. You're like into it, right? You're like dropping the mic, I told you so, you know? You're like get, picking up all your bets because you made bets against this. And they're like, nobody, yeah, everyone's, they stay dead. And you're like, told you. Yeah, you're, it's awesome, yeah. <laughs> They'd want to be that. Why wouldn't you want to write that, right? 
I look at that and be like, man, that's reality right there. That's so true. That's so real. They would have loved to tell the story of their hope, but they had none. Even when they found the tomb empty, they didn't assume a miracle. It even says later on that day, that same day, they're together. The first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. John's sitting there going, I got to write this stuff down. I wish we could say we knew it. We hoped on hope and we like knew the whole story had been telling us. But no, we were locked behind doors in fear, frightened. Well, they're reminiscing about the day's events and what's going on. What are we going to do? What's next? They're all scattering. They're denying him. They're even denying his existence that they had ever even known him. Jesus showed up and paid him a visit. Now just put your mind in that little frame. You're locked behind closed doors and dead dude shows up. (laughs) They were startled and frightened. I think that's light on the verbiage. Like you could pick your own words, stunned. I mean, if someone that was dead showed up, that would be all of you, startled and frightened. And so he said to them in like their fear, thinking that it was a ghost, why are you so troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? And I think he just had like the biggest grin when he said that. Why, why are you so troubled, guys? Why do you have doubts in your mind? I told you it's going to happen. Akuna Matata, chill out. It's all good, Right? And I think he smiled because this was like a totally a common conversation with him and the disciples. You see this all throughout the narratives in the Gospels. And if uh, you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've kind of gone through it. You can go back if you want to and just kind of watch through it and walk through that with us about the life of Jesus. But he's constantly telling them, like, why are you so afraid? Hey, little faithers, why do you doubt? Why are you freaked out? Right? He's having this conversation with them all the time. There's a storm. And they were, they were going through this storm. And these are like seasoned seamen right? They like know what's up. They're fishermen. And there's this crazy storm. They're bailing water. They're afraid they're going to die. And they wake Jesus up because he's taking a nap. And they're like, what are you doing? You're taking a nap. And he's like, why are you waking me up? And so they're like, we're going to die. And you know, we're going down. And he's like, why are you freaking out? Why are you so afraid? Why do you doubt? And they're like, we're going to die. That equals frightened, (laughs) fear. We don't want to, right? These things constantly were happening. This was so familiar to him. So I get to look at him and be like, little faithers, why did you doubt? Don't be afraid. So he pokes fun at him just a little bit, and then he reminds him of something he said many, many times. He says this. He says, this is what I told you while I was still with you. When I was with you, we talked about this all the time. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. What is the law of Moses and the prophets of the songs. This is essentially their sacred text. This is their Bible, per se. This is what they all knew. This is all they had then, right? And they called it the prophets and the Psalms with the law of Moses or the law of Moses with the prophets and Psalms. And so he's saying, hey, everything, our entire sacred text points to me. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. And guess what, fellas? It starts right here in this hood, right where we're at, right now. And then Jesus says something that would change their lives forever and honestly changes our lives forever as well. 
he would say something that would explain why millions of millions of people are gathered on a day to day to remember, to talk about, to celebrate, to chew on this event because of this moment. He said, you are witnesses of these things. This isn't some parable. This isn't just some made-up story to make a very clear point. You have witnessed and doubted. You have witnessed with your own eyes a death, and now, friends, you are witnessing the event of the resurrection. This triggered a movement that changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus created Christianity, and it launched the church. That's what started everything. And you were sitting across the table from me, I would say, this is the event I'm talking about that changes everything. Before the, before the resurrection, there was no Christianity. The Gospels are so clear about this. There was, no, there was no Christianity. As soon as he died on that cross, everybody unfollowed him. They all went away. No one believed it anymore. They're like, well, that was a fun run. I don't know why I wasted those three years of my life. It was done, right? But this moment, this event of the resurrection changed everything because nobody expected nobody in the tomb. They expected a dead person would stay dead. And so we don't just believe this, I would tell you, because the Bible told us. We believe this because there was eyewitnesses that have told us. Like Matthew. Matthew writes in the New Testament, who was far from God. He was looked at as like even lower than sinners. He was a tax collector who was invited into Jesus' inner circle to walk with him and accepted and loved and cared for. Then Matthew watched him be killed and then Matthew watched him, had breakfast with him, spent time with him when he was raised from the dead. Like Mark, Mark was the scribe for Peter. and said, Peter, tell me more. I gotta write all this stuff down. And Peter peered into the tomb and gets to explain the life of Jesus and what took place. And like Luke, who was a doctor, who would vet everything so clearly. He goes, I'm going to do a thorough research. I'm going to interview everyone I can interview. I'm going to ask questions of anyone who has seen or been a part of any of these things. I'm going to thoroughly vet this whole thing, and I will give you my report. And he does that. Like John, who also appeared in the tomb, who spent time with Jesus' mother, who was his beloved. He was the closest. Like Peter, who continually writes to the church and always makes sure he mentions the witness of the resurrection. Like James, who's the brother of Jesus, who was not a disciple of Jesus. This should be a big deal for any of those of you who have had a brother, right? A brother that has a, a, a man or a boy that has a brother. If your brother ever tells you that he's like something, you're like, nah, bro, you're nobody. That's just how brothers, that's how brothers work, okay? That's like how boys do their thing. It's real bad. It's so significant to me, though, that James was like, nah, I grew up around the kid. Nope. Didn't follow him. Said he's hanging up with a bunch of weirdos, right? But it wasn't until he watched his brother die on a cross, and then he saw him alive later and said, you're not my brother. You're my Lord. You're the Messiah. And it changed everything in his own life. That's such a huge deal, just grasping that concept. And then James went on to help start the church and led, pastored the church of Jerusalem, where this all started, as the brother of Jesus that got to say, no, 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 this is real. And like the last one, who often would say the least, Paul, who writes 
much of the New Testament. He writes just a few years after the resurrection about the resurrection. He spends time with the other disciples, the other people who had witnessed this with their own eyes. And he shares with us, he expands the church, that the foundation of the Christian faith is specifically an event. It's an event. He even says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, he says, and if Christ was not, has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. This was an event. And if I was sitting across the table from you, I would say an extraordinary event with profound implications. This was an extraordinary event that literally changed our calendar and has profound implications on your life, on your family's life, on the people around you, their life, about the things that you fear, about the things that you hope for, about the things that you dream about about your family, your happiness, about the way that you grieve. Our faith is in God who raised Jesus from the dead. And we know that God is for us because he allowed Jesus to die for us and not because it always works out. So what I have you take away this Easter, if I was sitting here in the room with you and you just gave me one shot to let you consider Jesus, I would make sure that you knew that God is personal. He's personal. He cares about you. He cares about you. And only you. And then the you next to you. And only them. He would tell you that suffering is an evidence that God is absent, that he's not real, that he let his own son suffer for us and made him anew that thousands upon thousands of other people before us have suffered beyond comprehension so that we could get the message of the eyewitnesses that witnessed this specific event. And because of the resurrection, forgiveness is available. And that you are loved by God. You are so loved by God. So if I was sitting there with you, I would tell you, stop doubting and believe. And you would say, whoa, that's a big statement. What does that mean? Stop doubting and believe. Well, what's the opposite of doubt? It's belief. I'm not asking you to go from zero to hero. I'm asking you to take a next step. Here, we're all about next steps. Just take a step and discover it. Take a next step and ask questions. I would invite you that some of your next step is to come here next week and the weeks after that and continue to come at the table and to continue to ask great questions. And wrestle with this and figure it out because that is a profound implication in your life. Next steps are helpful, right? Next step is just a little step. If you want to like get healthier, you're like, I need to go to the gym. You take a step towards the gym. If I want to reconcile a a relationship, you take a step and you reach out to that person, right? If I believe that this would be good for me, I would take a step for it and I would do it, right? Most of us do things that are helpful for ourselves by taking little steps. I have a belief that this could be, and so you step into it. So your step is whatever's next. It's a different next step for each and every one of us. For some of you, your next step is rooted. You need to get into rooted and check out that 10-week experience. Maybe this is like something that's brand new to you, and you're like, I'm still not 
I'm not going to be a follower of Jesus. I don't get the whole thing. Rooted might be a great step for you to walk through and wrestle with these things. It's also a killer step for someone who's been a follower of Jesus for 50 years. That should be taking next steps into their knowledge of who God is and his grace and his love and his truth. For some of you, your next step might be the, the class we're going to do called Alive, right? Which is going to unpack more of the factual evidence that we have of the resurrection and then talk about more of the implications of the resurrection and remind us that God didn't just have a resurrection in history at this event, but he promises a resurrection in the future in your life and what that implies. And for some of you, your next step is to grab this journal out there and go on a 21-day journal uh, journey. This is a journal called This Changes Everything because this is exactly what this event did. And some of you are like, okay, I'll explore this or I'm ready to walk into this. Like, what's next? If I'm going to follow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen and follow anyone who is dead and alive again. Like, they've got my attention. This really happened and it has profound implications on me. Then what's next? This will help get there. Simple next steps. 21 days. And at the end of 21 days, me or one of the staff are going to follow up with you, and then you can ask more questions and figure it out. Maybe you're like, I'm not quite there, but I'm interested in that. Take it. Go on a journey. If you're going to use it, go on this journey, and we can follow up with you. The theology we talk about of the resurrection boils down to something very simple here. Every week we talk about this, that there is nothing so dead that God cannot resurrect again. And he proves it through the resurrection. So there's nothing so dead in your life if you're here today that God cannot resurrect again because he makes dead things alive. And then he makes them new. Not like they were, but new. There's nothing so lost that he cannot find. You will be found by him. And there's nothing so broken, friends, in your life that he cannot mend that he cannot do a mending work in him if you allow him. And so for some of you, you just need to take that next step. Don't leave this place without walking into that and seeing the transformative work that only Jesus can do in you by taking a next step. Because the event was the resurrection. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. Will you stand? I'm so glad that you're here today. If um, you need someone to pray with you, there'll be people that will pray with you up front at the end or there's a prayer room back there. There's also all those steps I talked about out in the lobby. You can go out there and grab one of these books, sign up for one of those things. Take a next step, friends. Some of you, the next step is just going to be showing up again next week, the week after, and just asking great questions. Give us a couple weeks. Get to know us. We'd love to get to know you. And if you're online with us, maybe come and show up here and we can get connected with you and community. That could be so important for you to be in that authentic community. Um, thank you for your generosity. Even if you're here for the first time today and you're going to throw a buck in there, it literally makes a difference. And for those of you who have gone above and beyond and, and you're being a generous liver, thank you because you give us the opportunity to do things like this. You give us the opportunity to do children's ministries, student ministries, things in this community, and then even around the world. We unleash compassion, and it's so awesome to see. We have uh, boxes in the back of the room that you can put that in, along with your connection cards, your prayer requests. We would love to be a partner with that. And also there's a place in there just to sign up for like, hey, I need help with next steps. We'll help you with next steps. And then the last thing I have for you, if, if you could just give a little special shout out to um, 
The uh, chief of police in Benicia volunteered with all of his lieutenants just to serve you guys today and to like be welcoming and stuff like that. So on the way out, if you could just give them a holler. I think that's so great. They sacrificed time from their community. It's so, yeah. yeah. They can't hear you. Yeah. Just wanted to. But I'll tell them you clapped. they will be like, no, I, I promise. It was a good clap. <laughs> Hey, but they don't deserve a lot of the credit they get, but so it'd just be a great, generous way to just be like, hey, thanks, appreciate you guys, and I just think it's rad that we got the chief here, too. He's setting a good example of loving the people in this community. So um, let me send you off with a blessing. Uh, this is a posture we have, just hands out. It just says, I'll receive this, and, you know, I give up. May you, today as you leave this place, be rocked by the extraordinary event that has such profound implications in your life and the people around you. And may you share it openly and be blessed by that. I love you, friends. I'll see you next week.